0: i'm here at the smart transit congress and i'm talking with paul comfort he is the ceo of the maryland transit administration paul you talked a lot about communications within the mta tell me a little bit about what you are doing to make communications friendly for passengers in the twenty first century if you would please
1: sure so i'm a big believer in making sure that uh... our internal partners our employees and the external customers and our stakeholders understand what our priorities are and what we're doing so one of the ways we've done that is we've expanded our social media footprint to we're now on ten social media platforms we've got dedicated staff that work on doing podcasts uh... every few hours we do updates we use our twitter feed primarily for service deviations on all of our uh, on all of our modes. We have bus, light rail, subway, uh, commuter train and commuter bus. So that's our connection to people to make sure they know what's happening. We also opened up our own radio station this year. Uh, You know, it's not the job of the Baltimore Sun to give out information about, uh, you know, we might have uh, a service deviation for a few hours because of a water main break. They're not going to get that information out. Neither is a major radio station, but our customers can listen directly to us and find out what's happening in transit we play smooth jazz all day long and then four times an hour at least we give transit and traffic updates uh... and we also are pumping that music now into our subway stations and into our light rail platforms, so people are getting real-time information about what's happening in their transit system through a low-power fm station
0: that is one of the innovative things that the mta has been doing how did that idea come about
1: so we had a guy named mark jones who's been kind of the voice of the mta for twenty years uh... and when i got there they already called out every morning to 20 radio and TV stations to give transit updates, he and another fellow, Kirk Cronkree. And uh, he told me, Paul, I've, I've done the legwork to get a license, a low-power FM license, but nobody's ever allowed me to actually do it. And since I had a 16-year background in radio, I immediately said, go for it. And so we got it up on, you know, we got all the stuff happening that we needed to have happen. We're the first new radio station in Baltimore in 30 years, uh, and I think the only transit radio station in America.
0: The MTA operates a lot of different modes of transit, light rail, heavy rail, buses. Are there different communication needs for riders on different modes? Absolutely. One of the other things we're doing is we uh, do an e-newsletter
1: dedicated to each mode. So for people who sign up on our commuter bus service, we send them a separate email monthly about here's a new route that's going to be starting or here's a change. Same with commuter train, our mark commuter train and then same with a uh, regular bus service. We also feel like our regular, we're also working toward doing Wi-Fi uh, in our tunnels so that we can get communication to and from our passengers down there. So absolutely each mode And each customer base, I think, has a different methodology in which you can reach them. I was mentioning in my um, discussion that we're doing Pandora Geographic radio ads right now to reach out to people in a certain community to let them know new service is coming to them. I've also turned my printing press, we've gotten some new equipment, so we're actually turning to a mailing house. So we can now mail direct by zip code to people to let them know, hey, a new route is planned to come through area, or we're planning to remove a route to make sure that everyone in the neighborhood sees it, not just if they read the newspaper.
0: When it comes to... Coordination and communication with other transit agencies and other transportation agencies, such as SHA or working with WMATA. How does that communication and coordination, how has that changed and how does that take place?
1: So, because I'm part of the Maryland Department of Transportation, we have what's called a Secretary's Cabinet meeting every Monday morning, where Pete Ron, our Secretary of Transportation, um, calls all of the modal administrators, now called business unit administrators, together and we share for two hours what's happening at State Highway, at MDTA, at MTA, and we look for Synergies. We also have a new program that MDOT has started, Maryland Department of Transportation, called the Accelerator, which is a hundred agency-wide key performance indicators. And we're all kind of competing to be the best uh, on those indicators. So we're, we're kind of merging and synergizing some of our efforts there. And then for, like with WMATA and other regional agencies, I participate in the Transportation Association of Maryland. I used to be the president a long time ago and now as MTA. and We help fund all those locally operated transit systems like Ride On in Montgomery County or The bus in Prince George's, we meet regularly with them and we've got a staff dedicated to communicating with them. And Paul Wiedefeld and I just call each other about every week at WMATA and we share uh, concerns and what we're working on together. So that's more informal.
0: And one last question. One of the things that you had mentioned, one of the charges that you've given to your staff is to simplify the fare structure. How has the fare structure become so complicated, and how do you simplify it?
1: Well, I think the main reason our fare structure is complicated is because we have six different modes, like you mentioned. And so we have zone fares for commuter bus and zone fares for commuter train. Not so much on the, on the regular bus service, then we have a different fare for paratransit, and there, there's, um, there's lots of different rates. And so I think because the agency has developed over time and it's kind of where the seed fell and the tree grew. And so nobody's taken a comprehensive look at our fare structure and said, how can we simplify it and make it easier for people to do it? And that's what we're doing now. We're, taking, uh, we're also promoting the use of our charm card, which is another simple way. We have day passes, you know, almost hourly passes, trip passes. I want to do away with all of that and move people toward um, an integrated chip charm card where they can just tap and go, and it's, re- it's rechargeable with value. When I got there, only 3% of the people that rode MTA were using our charm card we have it up to 10% now our goal is to get to 30% in the next year we're doing lots we're putting out more ticket vending machines where they can get them where they actually get the card from and more charging stations pos stations 200 of them i just bought putting them out in the system to allow people you know they could only get charm cards in five locations in baltimore city when i got there so no wonder nobody was using it so now we're making it more accessible but we're also leaping ahead of that to go toward this open fare system where you can just tap your credit card or use your google wallet or your apple pay so uh... that to me is the ultimate solution and i hope we're within two or three years of making that happen at the mta
0: paul comfort thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today thank you